Welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 or on the internet or maybe right across the world because that's right, you can access the show all over the world. But you are listening on a beautiful Monday morning to Lawson and... Mon, good morning, y'all. Good morning, Monica. Yeah. How are you? I'm so good. Really? I wish I could like... I don't know, just chop myself in little pieces and give you all some of my, my good vibes. <laughs> that is the most grotesque illustration to you, you could use to describe I'm, that. I'm sending you some of my sunshine. <laughs> Those who know what I mean know what I mean. Oh, okay, so you're just doing well. Dude, I had such an epic weekend. The, uh-huh. the good thing about Monday morning is you have so many blessings to count because you've just come off the back yeah, of the weekend sure. and like the Lord has blessed all weekend long. I had such a great time. I got to go down to Sydney, spend time with my bestie, got to go uh-huh. to a show, got to go some shopping. I'm wearing uh-huh. my new T-shirt. I feel fabulous. <laughs> Feeling fabulous, smelling good, looking good. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I smell good, do I? Thank uh, well, you. I, I don't know. know. You, we, I you... actually did buy some perfume. That's, so. that's right. I, I know. <laughs> How about you? What are you grateful oh, for? I am, so we had a fantastic weekend, you know, church. And then yesterday we celebrated like the the birthdays of all the April people oh, in yeah, our church. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do that as well. So we went out to lunch and Aww. went walking after. Um, and one of the people that participated in that, uh, whose birthday it was, and is also here in the studio right now, Hannah Nakagawa is filling Woo! in as DJ Hannah. So she DJ is helping us out because, unfortunately... Shell, has Shell got COVID. D- DJ Shell got COVID. She is sick, so put up some prayers for her. But thank you, Hannah, for coming and filling in. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, and we have come to the first quiz question. Now, we've changed things up, Monica. Explain it for us, we're, Lawson. We're doing something different. So usually Edumacate we, us. we go through and we have 100 points, 200 points, yeah. and you can win a show bag of things. Uh-huh. Um, and that show bag of things uh, functions very much as like a show bag at the Newcastle show. Yeah, you know, yeah. you go, you buy but a show. Better. You get buy, yeah, because it's full of things about mm-hmm. God. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, now the show bag is full of a bunch of different smaller things, which all add up together to be, you know, a pretty good thing. Yeah. Whereas we've we've, we've changed our philosophy. We're just going to give away one big expensive thing <gasps> as a result. Lawson. Yeah. as a result of you guys answering the quiz. So how this will work is that throughout this week, we're going to be obviously doing the show every day um, and we're going to be doing a who am I quiz. So all of the, the questions today are going to relate to a particular person in the Bible. And we really want you guys, um, if you're a, you know, maybe a brand new Christian, Christian or you're new to the Bible or you don't really attend church, we might give you a little bit of leeway in looking up the information. But if you do attend church, no, like put the pressure on yourself, try and really think about who this is. Send us in your answers and we'll tell you whether it's wrong or right. And yeah. you can go back to the mental drawing board. Hone your Bible knowledge. That's right. Yeah. But Be we're going to... person of the book. We are, that's right. All of the questions today are going to be related to one person. So it's, it's like a who am I? And it's a who it am actually I? gets, instead of like the pentathlon quiz, it got harder as we went. This is like the hard one comes first and then we get easier and easier. We get, until we get it's pretty obvious who it is. We get easier. That's yeah. right. And then if you answer correctly, your name goes into a draw that will be put out or, or, or it will be drawn. It will be, yeah, it'll be done. Drawn. It'll be it's drawn. It'll be drawn. It'll be put out anyway. It'll, we're not giving away people's uh, details. <laughs> okay. It will, your name will be put into a draw and then you're, and then we'll have a draw 
Weekly draw, yeah. Uh, at the end of the week mm-hmm. so that you can receive a really amazing and awesome prize. And the more... So if you... Is it a car? Are we giving away a car? Are we giving away no. your car? Let's give away your car. <laughs> you can win Lawson's car! <laughs> no, that's, don't stop, please. I need my car. <laughs> What's the big expensive prize, Lawson? Tell us. Um, We're drooling. Oh, just, but just, just before we get into the big expensive prize, if you answer every single day correctly, Ooh. that is another entry Ooh. into the draw. So you could you could potentially have five draws in the in the final draw. Yeah, yeah, five chances. That's yeah, that's right. Versus that's someone with one good. or two or three. So yeah. So you guys need to be diligent in answering these questions. And um, Lawson, you know, tell us what it is. You you know what it is. I put it on. I put it on the iPad. It says, "Who are my quiz?" Oh, oh wait, no, no, no. Hold on. You didn't put you, it. On. You got to press the button. Oh, you're talking about the daily. The, oh, no, okay. You got to press the button, Shell. Uh, not Shell. Did you just Monica, <laughs> press the button, Monica. Yes, that that is the prize. That's the prize. Yeah, I thought it's it's a really expensive, oh, amazing okay. yeah, prize. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fifty dollar book. Yes, this is expensive. Yes. Yeah. Well, can you tell people what it so is? So this week, the prize <laughs> <laughs> that I know about it's a it's a big fifty dollar cookbook. So it's the Earthy Canvas Vegan Cookbook. Uh-huh. It's written by Dr. Cassie. And um, and she's drawn education from for her creations and delicious healthy recipes from her education career and Middle Eastern heritage. Yum! Recipes are designed to maximize flavor and nutrient density while minimizing calories and the use of processed foods. She's affectionately coined this process a scientific art. I I, be- I absolutely believe her. Okay. Um, so this looks still. Del- oh my goodness! I'm, my mouth suddenly just filled with saliva looking at these photos. <laughs> She's got like burgers and brownies and pies and quiches and wraps and rolls. And- oh, waffles, Lawson waffles. There's waffles. Yeah, that's amazing. So this is potentially one of the most expensive prizes we've ever given away. This and- is the second most expensive prize because the most expensive prize was something we gave away when I was doing radio with Lyle, and that was a holiday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The second most expensive. Yeah. Okay. Well, then give people the first question to be able to answer the quiz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hang on. Back to the other screen. Mm-hmm. Now that I've um. Told everyone what the prize was when I didn't know what it was. Okay, who am I? I kissed mum and dad goodbye. Oh, what a Aww. sweetie. That was you this morning, Lawson, wasn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live with my dad and he wasn't home. So I was alone. I was alone. Yeah, that's right. I walked out of my house uh, alone. I actually came to the studio early this morning to, to set everything up uh, in, in producer Shell's absence. Um, but Read that question one more time. I kissed mum and dad goodbye. All right. So Who you am us, I? You can give us a call or a text at 0491-064-669 if you know who the correct answer is. Mm. But right now, hey, let's get into some positively different news. Oh, look, our good news is dedicated to Shell this morning because she's an American. Did you know that she's an American? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know she's an American. Um, and so I got a couple of good news pieces coming out of America just for mm. her. Uh, also, I have to go to the airport after this show to pick up my boss who's coming back from America. So I've got, like, America on the mind. Uh-huh. Um, but we're going to be talking about the American dream. Okay. Yeah. Turns out... So you know how there's been a, a copying... People have been copying flack for quitting their jobs during COVID. They called it... What was it? The, the mass... Ex- mass exodus of yeah, quitting or yeah, something. something like that. There was some sort of a little coiny phrase. Yeah, like that's Brexit right. Or something. I don't, I don't yeah. remember, but I, I know exactly what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, and people have been quitting their jobs because they've just been inspired to do their own thing. They've mm. realized through the pandemic that they can work from home. Mm-hmm. And so they've decided, you know what? I'm going to give a shot at the American dream. Yeah. And so you might be thinking, like when a lot of people shoot for their dreams, you sort of like the 
The cynical side of you anticipates that it won't take long before their dreams are dead. Yeah. But this is so cool. They're doing some follow-up studies, and two in three U.S. business owners believe they are currently living the American dream. How cool is that? That's Two cool. out of three. That's a massive percentile of people who are actually like, yep, do you know what? I'm happy. I'm living the dream. Um and they and they just like this is the thing about the American dream, right? Like it doesn't so much it's not so much important that you are actually living it, but so much that you believe you are living it. And that's like a that's like an art, like that's a contentment issue. And um so I'm really stoked. They've, they've done a survey of small business owners in the U.S. showed that respondents are focused on helping their business thrive. 71% say that the new American dream can be achieved through sacrifice, risk-taking, and hard work. Um, 83% of the entrepreneurs said being financially comfortable aligns with most, mostly with their definition of American dream. Um, 32% agreed that being self-made and providing for their families are rewards enough in themselves, mm. but they know it takes time, which is really great. Especially the whole providing for their family. Like a lot of people said that, you know, and I've always thought this as well. Like when it comes to making money, I just want to make enough money that I've just covered my bills and then I can take care of my parents in their old age the way they took care of me in my youth. That for me is like baseline contentment right there. Mm. So this is this is really great. I'm I'm happy that people are happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like – <laughs> yeah, we enjoy that right. here. At Faith <laughs> FM, we are a positively different news station and we are happy that people are happy. And I think it's fantastic too because when it comes to, to running a business, especially starting as a small business and, and having dreams to expand, like it can be make or break oh, yeah. like on your whole life. Yeah. Like it can it can take everything from you. And this is something that, you know, we can observe pretty easily, but also something that I I'm personally have experienced not my company, um, but my parents' company. You know, they mm-hmm. start a business, you know, from nothing, runs for twenty years or more, being successful and having a good name, and then because of certain conditions and certain things and circumstances that take place, it all amounts to nothing. And all of that pressure is on you. And I know for my for my family it brought us to the point where like we went bankrupt and mm. lost our house and lost everything. Yeah. Um and so like it is a huge risk, but I I really believe you know obviously there is some self assessment that you need to do before Absolutely. you go into that yeah. and say oh, okay you know look at the market say do I actually have the potential and the capacity to be able to mm-hmm. do this um, is this viable is this something people want all of those assessments but I think self belief as well um, or some kind of belief that yeah. is enabling you to to continue um, in your venture. Um, is so necessary. Yeah. And I, I think there is then something to be said about um, going with God as well. Yeah, well, we read an inspired um, word that God has instilled in us, like, you mm. know, a desire to to work and to achieve mm. our dreams right. and to earn and and, um, and to use the potential that he created. You know, look at all the things that humans can do. That's something mm. that he instilled in us. And it's not wrong for us to go, do you know what, I'm going after that. So I'm really stoked about this. Um does it put any ideas in your mind of like how you want to start a small business and live the American dream? Well, Australian dream. Me personally, yeah, yeah. So I live in a bus and I do that <laughs> um, because of I'm chasing a dream right now. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I um I want to be a full time writer. So I've in my in my life I've always written on the side, uh-huh. but I've never done it full time. So I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to travel around Australia and write and see if I can get it build it up to a point where it's full time. So that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm I guess I'm chasing my Australian dream right now. That's powerful. But yeah, it's going really well. So yeah, what about you? 
Oh, my, my, my <laughs> dream is to speak on faith of them, and I'm doing it. So I'm living team. the dream, You've guys. unlocked the dream. <laughs> nice. so hey, give us a text and tell us your dreams. We'd love to hear about it. It's faith in them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we're going to have our second clue uh, for our Who Am I quiz. My last recorded words were only three times. Wow. Oh, oh my. There you go. Who said that? 0491064669. We've already had some correct answers coming through on the text line. So good job, guys. And again, if you answer the question, if you answer this, today's person correctly, your name will gr- go into the drawer. For the, the Earthy week. Canvas Vegan Cookbook. Yes, which Big, is beautiful, like, colorful, full photograph, expensive, expensive cookbook, cookbook that There's we will really good you. looking slice that they have in uh-huh. the pictures, and it's like it's got like the you know the biscuity base, and then it has like a creamy center, but then the top is like made up of like chocolate and pretzels and drizzled <sighs> chocolate, so Stop it's like it. a salty, Stop sweet, it, Monica. like peanut buttery <laughs> pretzel. Oh. Drooling. I forgot to bring breakfast. <laughs> this is the only day I've been here this week where Monica, well, over the last week or so, that Monica hasn't brought us breakfast. So That's because DJ Shell said she'd bring breakfast on Monday. So in my head, I sort of like just scratched it off the list. And, the, then, I just, and then she and then she, she got the right She got COVID. She, got, so, she has the spine. We're fasting this morning. Yeah. We're, we're close to God right now. 0491 is the number to call. If you answer that question correctly, your name will go in the drawer. Um, but let's get into the news this morning. Monica. Yeah. Do you think they should ban the Bible in schools? No. Okay. I know that I I do believe in the separation of church and state, Uh but I do believe that parents should be able to educate their children how they wish. Okay. So uh, in Florida, this discussion is happening right now. Um, because a U.S. man has filed a complaint against eight schools in the state of Florida to remove the Bible, uh, as he believes the book's contents qualify to be removed under a state law that was recently brought in. So Ron DeSantis, he is the governor of uh, Florida, and he passed a house bill which any parent can, uh, or anyone from the public, can challenge and ban books availability uh, within the classrooms and libraries in schools. Oh, wow. Um, and the reason he did this is because of a, a bit of a shift uh, recently that we've been seeing in centres of education, particularly by states that are usually Republican, um, where they want to go out of their way to um, ban teaching uh, radical gender ideology in schools. This is what they want to achieve. They mm-hmm. want to ban teaching radical gender ideology. This is something that we have covered on the show a number of times. And uh, it's one of Lyle's favorite topics. But but I agree. Like, ultimately, should we be teaching four- and five-year-old children about sexual identity and, and about sex, um, and but, but in the radical sense, you know, mm-hmm. um, when they come to school? And the answer is no. That is a parent's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy, uh, his name is Chaz Stevens, has said, well, if you want to ban all of these other materials that teach about radical gender ideology um, because of its content, uh, then you should also ban the Bible. Wow. Okay. This is this is the step that he's taken. Uh-huh. Um, and not only the Bible, but any book that references the Bible. What? As it contains, this is what he says, as it contains subjects relating to slavery, racism, and rape. Um, and 
this is an interesting stance. I I, I want to talk about that. I want to think this through. You can have ban a lot of books then, because there's a lot of literature like <laughs> related to the like Bible, core literature that they that they use. No, not just not just related to the Bible, but you think about all the books that people like that they use as mm. standard curriculum stuff like Catcher in the Rye and this kind of thing. Mm. Um, How to Kill a Mockingbird. They all like. Mm-hmm. They all like reference slavery and rape and mm-hmm. and injustices. So, but because this is the point, is what they're going like, to do? Like write a book that we're like it's a perfect world where nothing bad ever happens, and that's they use right. that to teach the kids. Because the thought is okay. Um, why why is this bill come into place, mm-hmm. and why is it that we want to ban the Bible? Is it because of reference to? This is the question. Is it because something references something? that we need to ban it and it becomes inappropriate for children to read. Um, because, you know, he's, this is, he said in, in his initial statement um, to the Miami Times, you know, local newspaper, uh, is my hope, and it's a long shot, is that they will apply their standards to themselves and ban the Bible. So they're like, we need to ban the Bible because if we apply this standard to everything, the Bible should be banned because of all these terrible things it talks about. Uh, but notice, this is, this is key in understanding why he believes they should ban the Bible. Um, because it's it's like, oh, is it because of referencing these things? This is what he says. Um, With constant babbling uh, concerns about teaching critical race theory and radical gender ideology, should we not take stock on the Bible's position on slavery? Uh, I am concerned our young white students will read such passages and wake up to civilization's sordid past. What? So, so this is his point. This is key. This is key. The reason, like he's saying, okay, you guys want to restrict the amount of, you know, the ability for people to be taught critical race theory and radical gender ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then why don't we ban the Bible? Uh, because this is not, this is, he doesn't say because of the Bible mentioning slavery, but because of the Bible's position on slavery. This is somewhat, and then he goes on to reference like awakening white students past or something mm-hmm. like that. The point that he's trying to make is not that, oh, because the Bible references these things, we should ban it, even though he would go on later to make that point. His, well, if he met, if he tries to make that point, it's under the, it, that is a guise for ultimately, he just hates the Bible. Yeah. And, and the reason he says the Bible's position on slavery is because he believes that the Bible teaches a, a, a view on slavery that is pro, and not pro-slavery, but pro the American, the African-American slave trade. Okay. Or, or slavery, this kind of slavery style. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, I, I understand. I get where this guy's coming from. Yeah. No, like, he doesn't understand the Bible. Yeah, ex- like, exactly as right. As soon as I read that, I was like, oh, no, he's never read the Bible. Before. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he goes on to reference passages. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, yeah, we should uh, uh, get rid of the Bible because it, it references rape. Um, in Jeremiah 13, 15 and 26. Now I read Jeremiah 13, 15 to 26. And I read, you know, he also, it's, it, it mentions killing children. It references killing children, uh, in Isaiah 13, 9 to 16. And now I'm like, okay, should we get rid of the Bible? Like, if we're going to take the step of if it references something, we should get rid of it. And if that's the standard that's been applied to all books, then maybe he's got a point. But then again, we see his comment on this. And it's like, if you want to teach morality and ethics, do you really want to turn to a book that wants you to dash babies against a rock? And again, it's like, oh, wait, no, no. He's just, he just doesn't teach that at all. It literally like thou shalt not kill. (laughs) That's right. And so ultimately what we see here, and this is the big difference, because my opinion is that they shouldn't ban the Bible. My opinion also is I don't know if this law is the best. Giving the public the opportunity to have a say in education is good, but just like 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is the best no, because system he's, logistically. He's just, he's just he's being motivated by a revengeful slapback. Yeah. At the at the, at the you know what's yeah. happened before with the radical ideology. Yeah. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the actual content of the Bible. It's just an emotionally driven That's right. argument that he's cooked up. It doesn't make any sense. If you think about the Bible, amongst all the other things that it is, it is also a history of us. That's right. If, it's, if it says babies have been bashed against rock, it's because we as humanity did that. Yeah. And we do not want to forget that because it means that we're that's, a danger of repeating That's right. It. Because the difference, because he's he's putting it in the same category, in the same class as radical gender ideology and CRT and all these things. But the difference between literature about radical gender ideology and CRT and the Bible is that, like, the the aim of literature about radical gender ideology is so that people read it and become radicalized. Mm. This is the express purpose. They want to they want the reader um to follow in its path. Whereas the Bible, <laughs> he's like, oh, it mentions all these things, but it doesn't teach people to do, do it, these yeah, things. Do not and, do it. and my thought is is there any age in which teaching a young person that murder is wrong a bad thing? Not at all. Or, or teaching, obviously, you know, we do our best to to filter information because there are, like, I, there are some pretty gnarly stories in the Bible. Oh, and, and it's like, oh, man, like, we should take stock and give our children what they need, you know, mm. what they what they need to hear. But the purpose of the Bible is... Not to become radicalized in gender is, which is what the bill is actually aiming at. That's what they're trying to do. Is they've, they've seen that radical gender ideology is harmful to children, so we want to get rid of it. The purpose of the Bible is to teach us about a loving and caring God. And all of these passages where it's like, oh, it references cannibalism, it references killing children, it references bestiality, it, referen- it references all these different things. Um, ultimately, like if you go through and read all those references that he gives, uh, <laughs> like it's denouncing all of them. Yeah. It's saying it's a bad thing, and now we need to do our best at you know knowing what our children can handle but at some point like i think the but this is teaching fantastic morality exactly. it's referencing these things because it's denouncing them yeah. rather than promoting them yeah. which is the material that should be banned is doing so really interesting situation going on there Right now, we're going to have our uh, third question. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 10,000 toes that was recorded at Big Camp. Uh, But let's have that question, Mon. I parted, sorry, I crossed parted water. Who am I? Oh, Mm. nice. 0491064669, if you can tell us who crossed parted water. And you can win our, you can go into the draw to win our $50 uh, amazing cookbook. But right now, this is the interview. And joining us in the studio this morning is Pam from 10,000 Toes. Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Okay, so 10,000 Toes, we've talked about this on Faith FM but it was probably at least two years ago, maybe three years ago since we had you guys on. So we need to have an update. We need to explain to a whole slew of new listeners what 10,000 Toes is all about. But we also need to have an update and find out, you know, what, is, what have you been able to accomplish over the last, you know, three, five years or so. 10,000 Toes, we're talking about diabetes. Why is it called 10,000 Toes? All right. So right back in the start when we came up with the campaign name, we thought that if we could 
get some people to save people's toes because in the islands, every 20 minutes, amputations are occurring. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. So when you talk about the islands, we're talking about the South Pacific Islands and, of course, here in Australia, we're familiar with, you know, your Solomon Islands, Fiji, all those places that we love to go on holiday to Mm -hmm. and take cruises out there back when we used to do... You remember when we used to do cruises? Oh, so long ago. (laughs) That was a thing of the past, wasn't it? It was. And when they start back up again, then that's where we'll be heading back to. So all these paradises, Mm -hmm. what you're saying is what? What was it? Every Every 20 minutes. They amputate a toe. Yeah, amputation of a toe or below the knee or above the knee. It's just terrible. Is this mirrored here in Australia? Do we have anything like this kind of problem in Australia? Well, we certainly have diabetes in Australia, but not amputations that relate so much to diabetes and lifestyle because we have the facilities here for people to get checked so much easier. But you go to some of the remote places, Samoa, America, Samoa, Vanuatu, parts of Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, they don't have a clinic that can do an x-ray of their their feet and see what's happening to ulcers and things. The first thing they know is, oh, I've got this very festery sore on my toe or on my leg. And so they go to the doctor and they say, Oh, sorry, but gangrene set in. We need to take that off. Yeah, wow, that's pretty heavy. When we talk about rates of diabetes, do we have higher rates of diabetes in the South Pacific we Islands? We certainly as we... do, up to 70%. In, in Samoa, for example, the further you go out in the islands, the worse diabetes get. Um, so every one in three people would be a diabetic, and they don't know it. That's the tricky part, is that they don't know they're a diabetic. So we would be having people dying from oh. diabetes before they even get diagnosed, is that yes, right? we're having dying but going blind, losing a kidney, because diabetes affects nearly every part of our organs of our body. So we're talking blindness, but they're going, well, why can I no longer see out of my right eye? They don't know that their blood sugar is so high that this is actually causing those problems, and it's all because of lifestyle. They have walked away interesting terminology, walked away the toes from their from eating from their gardens. So now they make these beautiful, they have gardens, but they go and sell it to make money so that they can live and go to the shops and buy their two-minute noodles and their white sugars and their soft drinks when they've got the goodness sitting right there, but they're using it to purchase from the corner store. So we're talking about type 2 diabetes. We are. I would imagine that type 1 diabetes, which is the type that you're born with, that would yes. be a similar ratio in Australia to the South Pacific? It would be, but once again, not very well detected because nobody mm. is checking type 1 diabetes. We're barely checking type 2 diabetes. And so the campaign goes out and we're testing villages. Right. And so we're going, okay, you're diabetic, you're diabetic, you're not. You're diabetic, you're diabetic. Do you have a family member that is really thirsty or, you know, we go through all the signs of obese, obesity and all that kind of thing. Then we say to them, we have some programs and they are, we partner with ADRA. And so we've got um, LMA, we call it, Live More Abundantly, and we take them through this program that's like a CHIP program that is here in Australia. Many of you viewers may have heard about. And we take them through that, and it helps them with their behaviour change, know why they are suffering the way they are, and then 
help them change their life. This is like a massive pandemic in some of our nearest neighbours here in Australia and we do really need to be looking out for our neighbouring countries particularly because they don't have the level of development that we have by any stretch of the imagination. How long has 10,000 Toes been going for now? Five years. I thought it was about five years. In five years' time, what have you been able to accomplish and how much of a dint did COVID make in the projects that you had underway? Yeah, COVID like everybody, has hampered us terribly. But at the same time, it has also enabled the local countries to step up and they've been empowered. And so we've Zoomed with them, so we support them from Zoom meetings. I meet with seven countries every week to help them with their thought processes. You know, what should I do in this case? How can, how can we do a resource that will help in this area? So... In the last five years, we're, as I just said, we're in seven countries. We have five mobile clinics now, so they're able to get out and access some remote areas. We test. We put them into, into categories of one to five as to how severe their diabetes and their health is, and then we offer them programs that relate to. For some, it may not be food-related. It could be smoking. So we've got or exercise, and we train up people who live in the villages. So that when we go, there's people that are staying behind to continue the work. Yes, I remember once I was in uh, the Solomon Islands, or some time ago I was in the Solomon Islands, and you know you do see a lot of obesity, you see a lot of sickness around Honiara and so forth. You talk to a lot of people, and so many people are diabetics. We then travelled to an incredibly remote part of Guadalcanal, where people were living traditional lifestyles. I mean, these people were wearing grass skirt. They were fully traditional. And there wasn't a trace of diabetes to be seen. The contrast was just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And the Christians who were living in those really remote parts that also you know, had learned how to, to live a hygienic lifestyle, they were the, probably the greatest pictures of glowing health of anybody that I've ever seen. I mean, ripped, muscly bodies because they are always exercising they walk everywhere they go and they are eating literally what comes out of the dirt in front of their Mm -hmm. their home and that's it yep and that's what it used to be right across the pacific but sadly that's not the case we did a fundraiser and took 30 something people to walk the kokoda two years ago the kokoda track papua new guinea yes very famous for all of us here in australia oh yes and so on the Port Moresby, Morrowby area, you'll find diabetes is rampant. But up in the Kokoda, there was hardly any with diabetes. Once you get remote enough to get away from the shops. Yes, but what was happening is that so many Australians walk the Kokoda every year, except in COVID, and so they're wanting their Cokes and their Fantas and their lemonades and their chips and their chocolates. And so now... They are taking those things up so they can sell to the Australians who are walking the Kokoda. So what is starting to happen is that their lifestyle is starting to change because sadly we are reflecting or sharing our bad food habits with them. So we thought, right, let's take the campaign to them so that we can get ahead of it. Yes, absolutely. And this is what we did when we were in the Solomons as well. We said, look, the time is coming that a road will arrive here. And when the road arrives, this, these are all the things that are going to arrive and this is going to be the result. So don't touch any of that stuff when it does arrive. So my question is this. They're taking these products up into the Kokoda track 
to sell to the hikers going through, the tourists going through. Here in Australia, we have our Coke, we have our Fanta, we have our Sprite, we have our chocolates, we have our high-fatty foods, all of that kind of stuff. Why is it that in the South Pacific they are then getting higher rates of diabetes if they're eating the same products that we're eating? Okay, the reason is we have it here, but we have facilities where people are getting checked. So therefore, very early on, you can go and your doctor says to you... Cut out the... Yes. Cut out this, cut out that, cut out the other. You do something, otherwise you're going to have issues with your kidneys, you're going to have issues with your eyes, you're going to have heart issues, you've got high blood pressure. But they don't have that. So that's one of the things that makes a big difference, just being aware. And the other thing is there are parts here in Australia that don't know about diabetes too. Really? Mm, so 10,000 toes you're doing? Well, we haven't yet, but we are talking um, with Mamaratha College over in Western Australia because our First Nation people... Have high rates of diabetes. Yes, and so there is a need there. But it's we've got to be careful we don't spread ourselves too thin because there's still a massive job to be done. And we're raising funds for seed money. So let me tell you some of the exciting things that are happening with the government. Because please, please. In Fiji... Despite COVID and the fact that we couldn't get, they just powered on with 10,000 toes and they have been doing testings and trainings and they've got 2,000 people as ambassadors trained up as 10,000 toes um, facilitators who are going out there. The World Health Organization has noted last month, two weeks ago, we got awarded um, award from them for the healthy... Um, diet award and it came with a 15,000 US uh, check. Oh that's nice, praise the Lord. And the opportunity for us to prove our concepts and that if we can't, which we know we can, that they will then help and make the 10,000 toes one of their strategies that they will help roll out across the Pacific. That's we exciting. We are so excited, pumped. Yes, <laughs> that is so exciting. It is. And in Papua New Guinea, a similar thing is happening, not with World um, WHO, but the government over there is looking at the 10,000 toes and going, we need you, and how can we partner with you? And Solomon Islands government is also doing the same thing. This is what we dreamed of and thought, is it possible that we could get one country on board? And here we are at the end of five years with $1.2 million dollars um, in our donation account and three governments that are looking very seriously at signing MOUs with us. Yeah, and, and I just want to encourage our listeners if this is something that, uh, you know, this is, I like to support successful projects. And you've got five years under your belt, you've got the runs on the board, you've got governments that are obviously taking note, this is a successful project, and so get behind it and throw as much support at it as you can. Please, yes. Just getting back to the more, I guess, uh, grassroots level, um, I would imagine when you find people that, you know, obviously you diagnose them with diabetes, that the first thing is to provide treatment for the diabetes, but then also look at lifestyle. That's exactly right. How do you go with... And what kind of a, a success do you have with educating people uh, in relationship to their lifestyle and, you know, going back to traditional lifestyles of eating the food that they grow rather than eating the food that they buy from the store? I know for myself, 
lifestyle change can be really challenging. It can. Um, how are you going with lifestyle change mm-hmm. in the South Pacific? Well, we train our facilitators, facilitators on behaviour change because, all right, we might have – we can say to somebody, do you know what, if you eat this packet of chips every day, this is the end result. You could get diabetes and then that could cause this problem or that problem and this is going to affect your livelihood. But unless they know how to make that change and sustain it, it, there's no point. So we've discovered that we can dip in and dip out of villages. Mm. That doesn't help either. We have to actually train the facilitators who are going to stay and live there on behaviour change. And what are the things that keep triggering us to go back to the food, that unhealthy food. Now, I know for me, during times of COVID, my stress levels went up. Yes, (laughs) that was the same for all of us. And what was your habit? You can do a number of things. Some people don't eat. Other people indulge and eat lots of chocolates and lots because that makes them feel better. And other people um, just... Sit. We comfort ourselves with our addictions. We do. And it's the same the world across. You know, we're not unique people. Mm. It's the same area. So we need to know how do we trigger and change our brain so that when I feel stressed, that I'm not going to go for the bad food, that I'm going to go for the good food. And you need support, you know, and need accountability for that. And so we offer that accountability so they can keep coming back to their groups and saying, how are you going? Oh, I've had a shocking week. Well, that's all right. We all have those weeks. Let's get back up. Let's get back yes. up on our feet yes. to save those toes because you know how important this is. Absolutely. Yeah. Pam, thank you so much for joining us this morning to talk about 10,000 Toes. It's exciting to hear an update. Uh, as I said before at the beginning, you know, I think it was three years ago when we last spoke and this was something that was just, you know, it was in its infancy, it was just kicking off and now to see it actually out there having an impact, governments, you know, the World Health Organization starting to take notice, this is a great project. If people want to get behind it and support it, where do they go? They can go to our website, 10,000toes.com. We also have merchandise, so there's a shop there, but you can also sign up to our newsletter and you can get in your inbox the latest things that are happening, how you can support, whether that is through just sharing the news or whether it's through donations or it's just keeping abreast to what's happening in the diabetes world out there. Thank you so much for joining us, Pam, to talk about 10,000 Toes. 10,000toes.com, head over there and you'll have all your information that you need. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.